Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we talk about the power of involving, developing, and retaining Christ-centered volunteers in your youth ministry. Volunteers are vital for the success of churches' ministries, including youth ministry. Volunteers create safe environments, teach the faith, model the love of Jesus, joy-filled living in Christ. I can't even tell you the number of times volunteers have saved the day in my ministry uh, as they cared for young people in crucial moments, found creative solutions to difficult problems, uh, and shared the gospel in their words and actions. I remember Many times in my ministry when I would ask a volunteer to help with something, whether it was decorations or baking egg casseroles for Easter breakfast or helping uh, chaperone the youth gathering, only to find them having gone above and beyond. So having a space transformed or having 10 egg casseroles or having adult leaders be willing to sit through a 16-hour bus drive <laughs> for, <laughs> um, in order to get us to the, to the youth gathering. Uh, or I love volunteers who are quietly behind the scenes who get things done without really any fanfare recognition. So those volunteers, so very important to any congregation's ministry uh, that we devoted an entire chapter to volunteers and connected for life from Concordia Publishing House. The ministries of congregations are also well served by volunteers who live out their faith in Jesus and they support fellow Christians and they extend the love of Jesus into their communities. I think of events like the LCMS Youth Gathering. It is a true statement. It wouldn't exist without the thousands upon thousands of hours dedicated volunteers serve before the event, at the event, and after the event. And in addition, that doesn't even consider the thousands of hours adult leaders are pouring into young people and their congregations to prepare and guide young people through an event and building relationships with them afterwards as well. It really doesn't matter the size or the context of your youth ministry or congregation. Volunteers are vital to provide a safe and relational youth ministry. Uh, You may be directing youth ministry in your congregation on a volunteer basis yourself. We are so grateful for you. Um, Or you might be a pastor, a DCE, or a teacher serving uh, youth and families in that larger congregation and depending on those volunteers. Uh, Regardless of, or you know the importance of having a team of people to rely on and to support you. Uh, Volunteers bring amazing gifts, talents, and the love of Jesus to the table. And volunteers gain, we hope, we pray so much in the opportunities uh, to meet new people and learn new skills. Joining us today to discuss involving and investing in volunteers is Dr. Darius Chapman. Dr. Chapman, known as Bo, serves as a theology teacher at Faith Lutheran High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. He received his DCE certification from Concordia University, Texas, and also holds a doctorate in human resource development from the University of Texas at Tyler. Before teaching in Las Vegas, he served as the Director of Student Ministries at St. Peter Lutheran Church in Macomb, Michigan. He and his wife, April, have been married for 17 years and have two beautiful children. He loves listening to music, especially 1980s hair bands, and looks forward to attending concerts and traveling with his family once COVID is over. And enjoys attending the evening with a enjoys ending the evening with a really good book. Bo, welcome to the Engels Podcast. We got to hear a little bit about your current and past professional vocations, but tell us more about your vocations and about the things that bring you joy. Well, first, thank you guys so much for having me on today. What a blessing to be able to talk about uh, volunteers and and what they bring to the table. I've I've been blessed being in ministry, mostly with student ministry, over the past. 
oh my goodness, I think 24 years now that I've had a chance to uh, be within congregations, also serving now uh, in a high school, teaching theology to students. Uh, and throughout it all, I think the thing that keeps coming back to me is I really love being with kids. And I love taking the opportunity to you know, to breathe life into, you know, their lives, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and, and to strive to live it out. Uh, and having so many years doing this, what a joy it is to see my students growing up, getting married, uh, you know, going to college, having kids, all those things. It is a blessing over and over again to see God do some really wonderful things and using somebody like me to make that happen. Yeah, as a first-time guest, we love to hear a little bit about your journey to servant leadership in the church. Was there a key moment for you in your faith where Jesus brought you closer to him or to the church? You know, it's so funny because I never even envisioned serving in ministry at all. It was not something that was on my radar. Really, I wanted, I tell people I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be kind of like the next Bon Jovi. Um, you know, and God gave me some good sense that uh, why don't you go into school? And that way, when this rock star dream kind of fizzles out, you at least have a degree. <laughs> I remember finishing up and having a master's and not knowing what I'm going to do. I've got this nice degree, but I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I remember it was September 1997, uh, probably one of the most awesome pastors in the whole world, a guy by the name of Steve Hensey, who is down in the Houston area. Uh, still an awesome pastor. <laughs> he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I remember one night him coming up to me after praise team practice and saying, would you consider being our youth minister? And I had never thought about that. And so I took a few days to pray about it and said, okay, I'll, I'll step into this role. And I never looked back. And so I'm so thankful for people like Pastor Steve that saw things in me that maybe I didn't see in myself. And now that was 1997. And here we are, uh, you know, 2021 and still having the opportunity to be involved in something so phenomenal. Well, we're so grateful for, for that. And uh, you were asked to write this chapter uh, in the book, Connected for Life, because of your great work with volunteers and also your interest in the management of human resources. <laughs> uh, what a joy to see a DCE who also has this advanced degree in human resource management. Uh, I think there's so uh, a surprising amount of overlap there <laughs> within ministry uh, that maybe we don't always recognize. Uh, we're so thankful you were willing to share your passion and gifts with the wider church. So to jump into that topic, we'd love for you to share a story about maybe how volunteers impacted your ministry, uh, either where you are now or when you were in Michigan. You know, when I first started in student ministry there in Texas, actually, uh, you know, I had this idea that I'm going to do it all on my own. And I think part of that was because if I did it on my own, there wasn't, you know, I didn't have other people letting me down. And so I knew what to expect. And, and that was kind of my mindset early on in ministry. But what I realized very quickly is, one, maybe I'm gifted in certain areas, but there's so many other areas that I'm not gifted in. And also things kind of bottleneck. You know, what happens when you have 20 students who say, yeah, we want to go on this retreat. And you're like, I don't even have enough room in the vehicle to drive you uh, to the location. Uh, and so I began to realize that there are people in the congregation who are a lot more artistic than me. They're more relational than me. They have all these different gifts. 
And if I could tap into that, how much more the ministry would grow. It wouldn't just be, you know, just a few students that I could reach, but so many more things would happen. And I remember when I was serving in Michigan, one of those moments that God just kind of, you know, opened my eyes to something really cool is I began to look around I'm like probably 70 to 75 percent of the students coming to our Bible study were young ladies. And I, I could be the best or the worst youth minister in the world, but only to certain degrees could I connect with these young ladies. And so I was blessed to be able to find three individuals, three um, women in our congregation who love Jesus, who love people. And I was like, can you guys come and help? Can you <laughs> come and be a part of our student ministry? Because I think you have a lot to offer to these young ladies. And I remember there was one day where for some reason I had, there was an emergency that popped up. I had to leave Bible study and these three women kind of took over and somebody took a picture and sent it to me later. They drove up to pick up their child and outside just sitting in the grass were these three women and like 15, 16 young ladies just out there laughing, talking. And I'm like, that is good. And so just so many different things like that throughout the years where volunteers have come in, used their gifts, and I think the ministry has been better because of it. That's great. I love when we think about like things in Scripture about the body of Christ coming together, the, the family of God, and how volunteers and the, the people of God rallying around young people is such a beautiful thing. And I, I think you touched on something that's, for leaders, it's one of those key things to try to think through and develop about there's a place for there's responsibility, but the more we can invest in people, encourage them, like you said, there's more gifts that get brought to the table, more relationships get built, and the ministry grows that way. So great that you've had that experience. So I was I was going to turn to hear a little bit about a piece that you talk about in recruiting volunteers. And if I understand now from your history, this is great. You've been known of the power of the ask then in a very direct way when someone comes to you and asks you specifically about serving. And so you give, you give this outline of getting volunteers involved and you finish by talking about making the ask for recruiting and inviting people into those roles. Now, there are many ways to communicate the need. Some are effective, maybe others are not. I know my story was, I was gonna share that I recently had a volunteer opportunity at our church and I kept putting it off. And this is a ministry I love, I pray about, I support it, but just wasn't getting it done. Well, before long, a person who works directly with that ministry reached out to me directly and said, can you please do this task? And needless to say, I got it done <laughs> because of having that direct ask for it to happen. And certainly did it joyfully because, again, it was a ministry I love. So that ask is effective. So kind of put this before you. Why is making the ask so often difficult? And what words of encouragement or guidance would you give to ministry practitioner in that area of getting people involved? Well, I think first thing, Mark, when we talk about asking volunteers, I think we need to do as youth leaders, as uh, family life leaders, whatever it may be, whatever role you play within the congregation, one of the things that is key is that you know what you're about, where you're desiring to take the ministry, and to make sure that you have um, the plans in place to make that happen. Because sometimes it's really hard to go up to somebody and say, hey, would you come and help? And, and you, you know, you kind of leave it at that, and people are like, <laughs> <laughs> do what are you wanting me to sign up for a year to teach you know you know Sunday school or do you just need a driver to get us over to uh, McDonald's you know and so to to take the time and really plan out where it is that you want to see uh, the ministry go and I think also I think your tone 
you know, when you do this, is this something that you're really passionate about? I mean, because I think of times where, you know, it's, you know, there's a difference between coming and saying, hey, will you help me Easter morning for our pancake breakfast? <laughs> Nobody gets excited about that. But think about, hey, we get a chance. We're going to have over a thousand people at our church, you know, Easter morning. And we're going to have a chance to make a difference by helping to make the best breakfast ever. And would you come in just for a little bit, maybe from this time slot, you know, whatever it may be, come and help us make some pancakes, scramble eggs, whatever it may be. Now, all of a sudden, people begin to get a little bit of that passion uh, and the reason behind it. Uh, so it makes the ask a little bit easier. And I think also, too, when you do that and you give them a time frame, people are not so scared. Okay, I just got to commit an hour here or two hours or, you know, for this month on Sunday nights or whatever it may be. That helps a lot. But I think a lot of times we don't do the homework up front and then it makes it very difficult for us to have, you know, when we ask somebody to have something that's concrete for them. I think another thing that probably people wrestle with is we don't like to be rejected. We don't like to finally step out there and say, would you help me with this? And they say no. And there's something about rejection that we just kind of shy away from. And so what I always encourage people is, one, don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, there could be something else going on in their lives. Maybe you want them to be uh, there every Sunday night to help with Bible study, but They've got a job that they have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to get ready for. And so it's just not a good time in their life for that. What's another thing that maybe you could ask them to be engaged in? Or is it something where you can say, I know this doesn't work right now with your crazy schedule, but can I maybe holler at you at six months in a year? And maybe we can revisit this. Um, so just really encouraging people, don't take it personally because yeah, sometimes people are going to say no, but there's a variety of reasons behind that. I think you also need to do a really good job of having a variety of different things for people to be engaged in. You know, I had some dads back at my congregation in Michigan. If I were to say, hey, would you help me out with Bible studies? No. It, the answer would be no, because it just mortifies them. If I said, hey, we're going on a retreat this weekend, we're going to go skiing, and I need some drivers, and I need some chaperones, they're all in. <laughs> because one, it's the time frame they understand. Two, the commitment is a little bit different. And so it's just having an idea of what are some different things that you need. And maybe a no in one area could be a yes in something else. And so I think that's really, really helpful for us. But here again, I keep coming back to the idea it all starts with being having good plans and then also, you know, just being excited about it. Because once people are like, okay, I see where we're going with this. I see the value in this. Then you begin to have more people say, I want to be a part. And sometimes those smaller roles end up making them more comfortable committing to the more advanced roles. You know, maybe I'm not sure I want to commit to leading a Bible study for kids I don't know yet. But if I go on the trip, you know, if I go skiing with them and I'm like, ah, oh, I like these kids, I could I could feel maybe more comfortable and you can bridge them into different levels of leadership as you do that. Um, I also think part of the recruitment process is making sure that it's not 
just recruitment. That's not the only thing we're doing for volunteers because often um, that can feel so exhausting that we're like, okay, someone said yes. So, okay. Then I don't have to worry. Right. Like, and now I want to lock you into this thing forever because then I don't have to ask anyone ever again. Right. And now, um, and sometimes it's a great spot. It's the perfect fit and somebody will teach preschool Sunday school for 25 years. Um, and God bless those, those people. Um, and, but sometimes you do need to make sure that you're, you're developing, you're resourcing, you're encouraging, you're retaining, actively retaining volunteers. Uh, so what are some, a couple of the tips or ideas you would have to continually invest in the volunteers that you have, keeping them maybe from burnout or helping them develop new skills as they serve? You know, I I appreciate what you said there, because one of the things you have is life cycles where people come in for just a a period of time. Uh, Yeah, to have somebody who's going to say, yes, I'm going to volunteer. And then 25 years later, they're still teaching, uh, you know, boys Sunday school. Not going to happen hardly at all. Now, it does take off a lot of burden because you don't have to keep asking, but you do. You have life cycles where normally when people, their kids graduate from high school, it's kind of like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) But that's okay. It makes room for others to come in. So talking about retention, I want to go back to these three ladies uh, from Michigan because Uh, One of the things that I think is important when we talk about retaining volunteers is that you're very honest with them what's going to be a part of, you know, this ministry that they're engaged in. I was telling the ladies, I said, we've got all these girls who are showing up at, you know, our student ministry events. I think it would do them so, you know, it'd be really, really good for them to have ladies of faith who breathe life into into their lives, into their struggles as a teenage girl. But here's the deal. If you say, yes, I'm going to guarantee you those first few weeks, they're going to totally ignore you because they don't have a relationship with you. And it's going to be difficult. And you're going to probably be thinking, why am I even here? They're not talking to me. They could care less. They just want to hang out with Bo. But if you keep coming, and I will set you up to succeed, if you keep coming, I guarantee you at one point, they're going to start trusting you. And then they're going to start having conversations with you. And they're going to grow closer to you. And you're going to have a chance to be a very real part of their lives. And so just being honest and upfront with these ladies, they knew kind of going in what it would be like. And sure enough, it was like that for the first few weeks. And then after that, it was crazy because all these young ladies are like, you know, Anita's here or Sherry's here and, and they just want to to be with them. I, it got to the point where I'm like, hello, I'm here all by myself. <laughs> Does anybody care about me? But it was good to see that. And I think the moms really appreciated uh, just being upfront and honest with them. Also, you know, I try to make sure that if I want to retain volunteers, that I provide them adequate resources for whatever it is that they need. You know, I don't want to just say, hey, here's, you know, you walk in the door on, you know, Wednesday night or Sunday morning. Oh, here's the your lesson for today. Well, they've ha- had no chance to read over it, no chance to prepare. That's not fair to them. Uh, and so how do I, you know, getting them things in advance, kind of letting them know where we're going to go. Uh, making sure if we're going to do a craft or a game that we have the supplies there. That's not something that they're trying to find last minute. So setting them up for success. You know, I I think about, uh, you know, these ladies, 
when they're and the girls are like really getting close to them and things are going good. Uh, I remember getting a phone call. It's like, you know, hey, Bo, I, I know it's probably not what you expected, but I just had four of the girls that ask if we could go and get coffee. Can I do that? Can, can the church give me a few bucks to handle that? I'm like, I am all over that. Setting them up for success, making sure that they have those resources. I think also, too, is just just being there to be an encouragement, but also to be a listening ear. I remember, you know, as they got closer and they're having real conversations with these young ladies, life is hard. Mm-hmm. And and they're coming back to me and they're like, Bo, you know, so-and-so, their, their family's getting a divorce. Or they're really wrestling because their boyfriend is pressuring. And, they, and they're carrying the weight of... All of a sudden, all these five, six girls that are kind of in their small groups are carrying the weight of those young ladies. And so I serve the role as somebody who listens, somebody who comes alongside them and say, yeah, ministry's hard. And thank God that you're right there beside them along this journey. And so I think, you know, just a variety of different things like that really serve volunteers well. To know that, uh, you know, that they're heard, that they're supported, that we're setting them up for success. I think all of those things make volunteers go, okay, you guys have planned this well. You're here to support me. I like what's happening. And the more you have those successes, the more volunteers say, can I do this more? And you also, word gets out, you know, where other people are like, well, I want to be a part of that. That sounds really cool. And so it just really grows from there. Uh, Juliana, one thing also I was thinking about with regards to uh, retention, uh, I think that's really key for us. And I don't, I didn't write about this, but it's something that I've thought about more and more over the years. And I think we also have to do a good job in saying goodbye. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes uh, you have volunteers who come in, or at least the, the intent is to come in and do really well, but they're not doing good at all. Uh, they're not showing up. They're not fulfilling the things that you need them to do. And I think it's important for us, for the ministry as a whole, when it becomes something that's really unhealthy, is that we have to do a good job also saying, I love you, but this is probably not a good thing for you. And to be able to say, let's see if we can't find something else for you to do. But right now, the role that you're in is, is not a good one. And to be able to say goodbye to some of those individuals. And I think overall, if we handle that well, they'll find some place else within the congregational life to get plugged into that will, you know, fill their bucket and they'll be able to make a difference. But you don't want something that's within the student ministry or children's ministry that's unhealthy uh, for those involved. And so I think we just need to do a better job of saying goodbye as well. And sometimes that means stepping in and naturally creating um, points in which you check back in and say, yeah. like, I'm only asking you to do this for a year. Now, internally, I might pray that you do it for four years or 10 years, but I'm going to ask you right now to do it. And every year, I'm going to come back and ask you again. Uh, and we hope that it's an enthusiastic yes, but they know that right. we're that there's always this moment where if they know they're moving into a different part of life, something's happening, like you said, every volunteer goes through phases or they've become really passionate about another area of ministry that we have a natural point in which we release that 
that and we um, and navigate and hand that off. Um, so yeah, that is a really powerful thing. And I think empowers our volunteers to feel like uh, that they can go where God is leading and, and follow those vocational roles where they need to. Yes. So Bo, you've given us some really good insight about the recruitment side, the retention side, just overall, again, like that excitement and joy that a leader brings to in the recruitment process and bringing people into the ministry. I want to talk about a, you kind of close your chapter with a topic that maybe, you know, has even been talked about more about in ministry than since you wrote the chapter. And it is sometimes maybe a difficult topic. And at the same time too, it's about an overall general topic of just talking uh, training of our volunteers and what a ministry or church or school can do in that place. I do want you to talk specifically maybe about um, the need for policies and procedures to protect youth and the volunteers themselves who serve. And maybe you can give us an overview of what a solid volunteer training or process looks like for volunteers in relation to child protection, or maybe what policy should a school or congregation of any size have in place to protect children and the volunteers who serve them? You know, it's interesting the day and age in which we live in one comment, one comment on social media can destroy a person's reputation, whether that comment is true or not. Um, and it's sad. It's sad, the commentary that we find ourselves in. But it also forces us to, as a church to set a very high standard with regards to what we do and who we bring in, because we've been entrusted with so much, especially I think about children's ministry, student ministry. Parents are entrusting us with their kids. And so we have this calling uh, to, to do things and to do things very well. And so, you know, I think there's certain things that uh, all churches and I think definitely uh, student leaders are very aware of things like you should never be alone with the student that, you know, those are things that are just a no, no, uh, you know, right away. You should be aware of that. That's that could lead into some very bad things very quickly. So making sure that you have all those small things taken care of when you're planning, you know, especially, too, if you have a student who contacts you and says, hey, I really want, you know, I've got something going on. Can we talk? Yes, we can talk. But here's some, you know, guidelines, you know, for that, you know, we're going to be in my office. I'm going to have the door open and outside my office will be my secretary or somebody else. That way you continue to protect yourself uh, from any allegations and it protects you as the worker, but it also protects the student. And I think those two things are really, really important. I think most churches are doing this. If they're not, uh, they should be. And that's doing good background checks on everybody who comes and not just employees, but volunteers. And I think one of the things that we had gotten a little lax early on with is there are some free things that you can do with regard to background checks, but they only check certain things. But to really get a more in-depth background check, you know, at the state level, at the national or federal level, uh, at the county level, it usually costs some money, but I think what that does is it really helps make sure that we have done due diligence that everybody who's coming in uh, to work with our kids, to work with our children, um, you know, has a proper background check done. Um, another thing that we did in Michigan that I have to give credit to our human resource uh, department is they said when we have people who are interested in volunteering, it can't be somebody who just joined our church a few months ago. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and some of the research that they were showing was that you have people who come in to the church and right away they want to get involved. And normally we say, awesome, you know, we can plug them in. Well, there's, you know, some data behind that that shows that you have a large group that are doing that for a reason. They're wanting access to our kids. And so we need to take some time before we say, yes, you can be a volunteer, uh, to kind of see who they are, what they're about, what's their background, so forth like that. Uh, so I think those things are key uh, for us. I think another thing, too, is to have real honest conversation about when things show up on a background check, what automatically keeps somebody from being a volunteer. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, we may have somebody who's in their 40s, you do a background check and you see back when they were in their early 20s, they got a DUI. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they got into a, you know, they got intoxicated and got in a fight. Uh, and so now they have an assault charge. Is this person now, 20 years later, they've been married, they've got kids. Does this keep somebody from being involved in the ministry? That, you know, the dumb mistake that they made when they were in college, does that still impact them to this day? And, and so that's one of those things congregations have to wrestle with. You know, if somebody is busted for child pornography, probably, you know, <laughs> you look at that and say, I don't care if that was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, probably don't want to have you in, you know, our congregation serving young kids. Uh, so you have to weigh a variety of different things. And I think the congregation, the leadership needs to have, you know, real discussion as far as what is uh that we kind of, I don't want to say forgive, but we know people just made a mistake and move on. And what are things that are maybe a little more inherent into the way people are wired and just are dangerous to have when we talk about them being involved in the lives of our children? So you've got a lot of different things at play here. And I think it all starts with just some good policies that the congregation sets for these volunteers. And it's so much easier to have those conversations ahead of time yes, and have them laid out ahead of time and know who's going to make that decision ahead of time uh, before it's a person um, in your ministry and you've done the background check and now you're like, okay, well now, now what do I do? Right. Um, so having those conversations now can save you a lot of pain later on. Um, so definitely we would always encourage you to, to uh, contact your insurance company. They often have tons and tons of resources. You can go back and listen to a previous episode we did about risk management. There's plenty of stuff there. Uh, so yeah, but it's so, so key uh, is making sure that we're, we're helping think through all of those different policies and procedures for our volunteers. As we wrap up, uh, any words of encouragement or resources you would suggest for those working with volunteers in our youth ministry? You know, the thing that comes to my mind first is I keep coming back to the idea that we have the greatest news in the world to share. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt that uh, the, the message, the hope, the love, the truth that comes through Jesus Christ is good stuff. And so my encouragement is that uh, for those listening, uh, especially for our leaders in the congregations, that, you know, that that just gives them encouragement and that with that, hey, go and grab some volunteers, share with them, you know, this joy that you have for the gospel, this joy that you have to share the good news and get them excited, give them a plan and get them engaged. And I think what you're going to have you know, find it's going to happen is you're going to see more and more people 
being involved in different aspects of ministry. And that's what I love because when volunteers are using their God-given gifts, it just impacts the congregation. It impacts families. It impacts our community. And, and I'm, and I think the more that we see that happen, it's just a good thing over and over again. Matter of fact, I hope we see more of that happen because we need that in this broken world in which we live in. And so that would be my encouragement for our, our leaders out there. You've got the greatest news in the world. Now, let's get excited about it. Let's go grab these volunteers and let's see some powerful things happen. Well, we're so thankful for your passion about it and the joy you bring to working with volunteers and the people of God supporting your students there in Las Vegas and certainly all that you've done over the years. We wish for God's blessings upon your continued service, the way you form Christian leaders. Uh, continue to may God continue to bless you and all that you do in Vegas and beyond. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate Bo's resources on awareness and training on abuse prevention and child protection. The LCMS has additional resources on links to those mentioned by Bo. And we want congregations to proactive, proactively be a place of protection and safety for young people. This starts with securing backgrounds and also certainly what insurance companies might require. But we also hope congregations to be active in protecting children and looking for signs of abuse. Resources that are currently available will be posted in the show notes. Working with volunteers provides sort of the next step in the practical application of some of these bigger uh, overarching things that we've been talking about in the last few episodes. So your philosophy of youth ministry, your philosophy of Christian education informs those goals. Uh, and those goals, as you heard from Bo, really impacts your recruitment and your utilization of youth in our volunteers in your youth ministry. Uh, and asking a volunteer, you will have laid some groundwork for how you're going to communicate with them about the importance of their service and how it fits into the mission of the congregation and of your youth ministry. So having that clear philosophy and strategy helps you to encourage volunteers in their work and help gives direction to that shared ministry. So this is all sort of uh, pieces of the puzzle that come together. Uh, that's why they kind of sit next to each other and connected for life, um, because they're all um, a part of of developing that overall healthy, sustainable youth ministry that's Christ-centered and it's sharing the gospel with young people. So a couple of closing questions for you to consider. First is how are you recruiting volunteers from a place of joy, from uh, a place where I know my goals and where I'm headed in ministry and helping to identify the best fits for that volunteer skills, experience, and availability? What process do you have for training volunteers and church leaders about child protection and safety? If you do not have a plan, what is a first step you can take to provide awareness and implement a training? And then finally, how are you continuing to invest in the volunteers you already have so that they're encouraged to continue and comfortable in moving on when necessary? We hope that this episode and the chapter in the book will help keep you focused on the important matter of utilizing volunteers in your congregation. We thank you for taking up the challenge for your young people and providing a network of people uh, who are invested in walking with Jesus alongside these young people. We continue to keep you in our prayers as you recruit and invest in volunteers in your youth ministry. And if you are a volunteer practitioner yourself, uh, we thank you. Uh, we are so grateful for you, for your investment in young people. And we hope that you hear words of encouragement from us as we continue to pray for your uh, vocational service in that way. Angles Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.